Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. I mean, I am a committed herbalist, so I use a lot of plant spirit magic, but other people use different spirits, you know, but you don't need, you don't need gods or goddesses either. I mean, people are sometimes surprised when I say that, when I spend so much time uh, writing about Hecate, you don't need to believe she's an actual embodied goddess flying around somewhere. A lot of the spirits I work with are animal spirits and plant spirits, as opposed to like servitors or... You know, I might have a plant that's my servitor, but I don't just kind of have a servitor. I have like these natural uh, spirits that I work with that to me seem much more tangible and approachable. I don't really work with plants, um, although I should. My natal chart says like, girl, you've got a strong fourth house, like get into the dirt, right? But yeah. I'm a little bit afraid of nature. I didn't realize this before until like literally like two, three months ago that when people work with plants, they're working with the spirits of the plants as well. Like for whatever reason, I just thought, oh, you're just going to pick some plants and like make some concoction. And, you know, it's almost like a medicinal thing, almost like a pharmacist. But yeah. then, but there's a difference between a pharmacist versus, I guess, what you do, which is you're not just doing it for medicinal reasons, but you're also working with the actual, I guess, the intelligence of that plant. Well, and I think for me, that's the thing, like plants have consciousness. And I think, you know, a lot of people, like you're not alone, a lot of people are intimidated um, from working with plants. It, it's, you know, it's a natural thing. Once you kind of get over that, um, that timidity and find a plant that you can connect with, then it will. Then it just opens up this whole world that you don't even know exists. It's kind of like I don't know if you work with spirits at all, like servitors or entities, but it's kind of like if the first time you figure out that the spirit world is really active, once you figure out, once you can connect to a plant, you're like, oh, but then there's this whole other spirit world that now I have access to. I always say that if there's one form of magic that we know absolutely it's true it's plant magic because plants and humans we need each other so if there should be one form of magic that we can access it should be plants because we we we're, we coexist right in a way that more abstract forms i think are more difficult to uh you know we don't necessarily need those spirits as much as we need plants plant you know plants give us breath I guess the first question that comes to my mind when somebody says that they work closely with plants and they have an affinity for plants is, do you talk to trees? Like, do you see, like, you know, like when you see, like, The Hobbit and stuff, that movie, and you see, like, faces on trees and they're, like, talking to you in, like, very, like, ancient voices? Is that what we're talking about? Not me so much. I, I'm, you know, my, I guess, uh, if you want to talk about, like, the clairs and how we perceive things that are in the spirit world, I tend to just kind of have thoughts in my head from the plants. So it's almost like we have a silent conversation. But the plants, the plants do speak to me. Like different plants have different personalities. 
Um, and some of that is like the standard, you know, you can go and get Culpepper's or, you know, another old herbal from hundreds of years ago and look up. And these, this is really cool. Like if you're new to plant magic, you know, look at some of these old herbals and they're just the energy and what you learn is really stripped down. In my intro course, I just talk about, you know, getting a plant that you connect with. It can be something as simple as basil that you pick up at the super, you know, the supermarket. Bring basil home and just practice that kind of opening of your cord, your energetic cords, in the same way you would when you were casting a circle or connecting with crystals. Like open up to the plant um, and see what the plant has to say. I mean, I have a real love of flowers, so like. Yeah. Well, so let's say that I go, like, I'm in Bali right now, so I'm walking down the streets and they're just covered with fallen blossoms of frangipani, you know, plumeria mm -hmm. blossoms. So let's say that I, you know, that I always pick them up and I always, like, carry a bouquet with me. So how would I open up to it? If you have an affinity already for those flowers, then you've already kind of done the first thing. You, you know, identified a flower that you naturally connect with. So... What I would say is to get into your meditative space, however that is, you know, get yourself in that state of calm awareness um, and just sit with the plant. Much like if you were going to uh, do yoga with somebody or do, you know how you can do exercises with someone where you mirror them? Yeah. Like that's almost like what you're going to do with the plant is you're going to stretch out towards the plant, open up and see, and just open and flow into the plant. Um, the same way you would meditate or connect with any other spirit. So if you're totally new to this, I would say, like, you know, create your, your space, your contained energy, however you do it, uh, and then really the trick is to envision that cord, like your energy cord, your energy field, moving forward towards the plant in a really welcoming way. Now, flowers can be more complex, and it really depends on, you know, if you have a natural affinity, it's like any sort of magic. If you kind of naturally go there, it'll be a lot easier. But some flowers, you know, can be more complex. Rose is one that a lot of people naturally love roses. But rose is um, a very magical flower. You know, a lot of us think that rose is just for love. But you can use the different colors of roses, you know, like, um, you know, yellow or white. So there's lots of different ways that you can use flowers and magic, but it really, I think it does just start by opening up um, and just going into the plant and really envisioning the plant as a sentient being. This reminds me of a Japanese anime, one of my favorite ones. It's called okay. Save My Earth. And it's about an alien race that has been reincarnated as junior high school kids in Japan. And, and one of the, uh, the main characters, she's this reincarnation of this alien who loves nature on Earth. And so in the Japanese anime, what you'll see is that in her incarnation as like the 11, 12-year-old Japanese schoolgirl, mm -hmm. she and the plants and nature, they love each other. So when she's going towards plants, you'll see like in the anime, you can see the flower slightly opening up just a little bit more to intake all that love that she has. And she doesn't even know that she's giving it. And so, like, when it receives, like, all the sparkles from her, then it emits, like, little sparkles itself. Like, ah, oh, I've received your love. Thank you. I love you, too. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Oh, my God. Except those sparkles that we put out, you know, they can intermingle. And the sparkles from the plant um, have properties. So 
So, you know, like if you're working with, I don't know, mugwort is a really common one that's fairly accessible. So if you want to do some kind of journey in your astral projection and you want to connect to the sparkles, the spirit of mugwort, those sparkles, when you say, hey, I really want to do this journey, the sparkles will be like, yeah, that's really cool. That's what we exist for. <laughs> but we're happy that you asked because we can help. Can you still, like, even if you don't believe in any of it at whatsoever, um, can you still, I mean, if you're imbibing it or working with it in any sort of way, are you actually still communicating with it? Well, I think even if we, like, even if you're just out and you walk by a tree and you say, hey, that's a tree, that tree is still a tree, you know, and if, if you take psychoactive substances, even if you don't believe in their magical properties, they'll still have some effect. But it's like it's that attunement between your, uh, you know, your intention and the, the uh, plant's will, like the plant's consciousness, where the magic happens. You know, it's that enmeshment that when we come together with the plant or anything, you know, this, it works the same. I've always found crystals are more difficult to kind of get an attunement with. But even if we have like a spirit, like um, a spirit guide, that's really what we're, you know, it, it's where we come together, where our sparkles meet. I used to work as a makeup artist when I was in college. So, you know, there's a way to do makeup by the numbers and you can make everybody look pretty good, you know, like you can mm -hmm. put the dark color here and whatever and everybody's going to look fine. But then you have like the artists who are really mm -hmm. in tune with the colors, the client, everything. And then they can take the same almost technique and yet what they do on somebody's face is completely different. Like it actually brings yeah. out that person. So it's not just that they're beautiful or they're pretty because you can make anybody look beautiful or pretty, but it's like they're radiant. They capture like the essence of the person. I know what you mean. Um, my sister's quite a skilled makeup artist. I'm not. Um, but my, my, sister, my sister can really bring, you know, that magic out in someone and you think like the plant has that magic too so it's like with the right practitioner it's like the well you know the excellent makeup artist is that you can bring that out of the plant things like plants and spirits and animal spirits they have like a job you know they have a mundane job but they also have a spirit world job and when we approach them sincerely and want to work with them we honor the plants. That's really about practicing witchcraft as opposed to the occult. I'm in Bali right now, which is so lush. Um, oh, anything, yeah. Anything can grow in Bali. And in fact, um, part of the offerings that people give to spirits is every single day, it's, they make a leaf boat and they put flowers in it and incense. So every single day, they're giving, giving offerings and working with plants. It's just a part of their mundane life. And that's something that a lot of Westerners are disconnected from. I think it is. For me, like as a Hecatean and someone who is definitely like a student of the myths of Kirke and Medea, um, that, you know, um, pharmaca, this is what traditional, this is what they called witchcraft then. And witchcraft was about working with plants and animals. So it is, <laughs> I always say I practice modern witchcraft, but... It's really, like, so traditional that we go back to Kirke, who is often called the original witch. Like, she was the first witch created um, in kind of the Olympic Titan 
pantheon those two pantheons she's the ow not the og you know what when i meet like a really cool femme person i'm gonna be like you're an ow you're you're an original yeah O-O-W. <laughs> let's say that somebody wants to start working with plants and they do live in a big city i used to live in seoul and before then i lived in new york city there's not like you can go to a park i guess but it's like you're just like well the grass the dogs peed on it you know and so half the time you're just sort of like uh once I, like, saw a guy foraging for weeds and stuff, like, but I guess almost, like, edible weeds or something like that, like, in yeah, Central yeah. Park. And <laughs> I was like, whoa. I mean, that's hardcore. I was just in New York City and spent some time, we walked through Central Park, and I was like, shit, there are so many plants in here. I said, and then I was like, I was calculating, like, if every witch in New York City started to come to Central Park and to say, get oak leaves. Because that's a, you know, oak is really great for magic, and it's really accessible. You know, you just bring it home, you can use it fresh, you can let it dry. It's super easy, burn it as an incense. Every witch started, like, taking, like, say, 20 oak leaves a year. The oak trees would grow better, and they would be more hardy. Because they're not, no one's taking, you know, no one's really taking care of them. They're just sitting there. Plants need to be... Um, pruned or deadheaded, you know, where you remove the buds, and that way it encourages them to grow. So I just started thinking about all the plants in Central Park and what I would do, and how many witches could use Central Park if they wanted to. Start, we could start a movement where the real witches of New York start pruning all the plants in Central Park, and then the trees will grow more. You know what? That... That story went completely the opposite of how I expected because I thought you were doing calculations and thinking, oh, you know, like if all the witches like took the oak leaves, then there'll be no leaves left. You know, this idea of nature is something that we take from and then it's just, it's done. It's like this finite supply. But you're bringing up this idea of nature needing to interact with people and by us taking it in a spiritual way, instead of depleting it, we're actually helping it. Yeah, it's not like you're going to go in and strip the trees bare. You know, if you want to stand more in your power, take a branch of an oak tree, tell the tree what you're doing. An oak, you know, the mighty oak is a very proud tree, and he'll be really happy to serve you in that way and helping you stand in your personal power. But what is an oak tree? Like, when, when you think about what does an oak tree represent, like you said, we're talking about spirits. Well, the spirit of oak is a very proud man, for example, a king, right? Like, oak is often seen as the king of the forest. Like, I'm an occult herbalist, which makes people kind of think, oh, okay, so there's more to this than just picking dandelion. There's about how you, you know, you connect to the spirit of the dandelion. The dandelion is um, a member of Hecate's garden, dating back, you know, thousands of years. And dandelion has properties mundane properties of being um, detoxifying, but it also has the spiritual properties of being detoxifying. And I think that's the beauty of plants. Like you can't work with a demon in a mundane situation and say, well, today I just had a little bit of a headache, so I want you to make my headache better. The demon's going to be like, what? <laughs> but a dandelion, you know, like dandelion will be like, if you know, if you're feeling sluggish, and maybe you are drinking too much last night and you're sipping dandelion tea, the dandelion tea can just be, you know, the cure for your hangover. Or it can also be a way for you to do protection magic. So I guess I'm really practical about witchcraft, 
And I love the fact that plants have this kind of diversity. You know, like you think of crystals. Every I love crystals. But you think like crystals, other than throwing them at people and looking pretty, they're really only good for magical purposes, your spiritual purposes, you know. But plants, they, you know, they look good and they have mundane properties and spiritual properties. So if there was somebody who, and, I, and this is what you do, you, you bring together like this plant magic, but then you also work with Hecate. So you're kind of doing, I guess, the more, I don't know, like the deity, like what we consider like very occulty stuff, but then the very grounded witchy stuff and you're mixing it together. I mean, the amount of, I guess, like correspondences you can layer on top of each other, you know, it's just like people who practice like that syncretic sort of hoodoo on top of hermetic magic. And to me, that that's my witchcraft. It's about the spell work. Like, I find the goddesses fascinating. I love the lore and the mythology. But that doesn't make me a witch. You know, that could make me, um, you know, as a, I'm an academic, so I get to talk about the goddesses in the context of, you know, teaching classes. But to me, what makes me a witch is um, crafting and casting spells. Can you define what you mean by spell work? Because, you know, a lot of people, they're going to do law of attraction stuff. I am driving a Ferrari right now. And they envision that present tense and they think that, like, the universe is going to give them a Ferrari. Is that crafting a spell? No. That's a wish. So wishes are wonderful, right? But this person who I was talking to, it's funny that you brought this up. So they were talking about candle magic not working. And I said, well, if you just have the candle there and think your intention, that's, like, a wish, you might as well, like, it's like we do with your birthday cake. When you blow out the candle, it's beautiful. Like, I'm not criticizing it, but a, a candle spell involves knowing, like, for example, you know, you choose your color, so you choose a purple candle. So you have, but why is it purple? Not just because someone told you to use a purple candle for this, but the color purple has certain energetic properties that lend themselves, I'll stick with the theme of personal power. So, you know, purple is the color of royalty, it has sovereign, you know, all these kinds of great properties. So when you're lighting that candle and doing that spell, you, you the goal is to connect with the power of purple. And the flame releases the power of purple. So when you think about, you know, how this works, it's all about intention. Yeah, you've got to have a really good, you know, strong verbs, short sentences, be scarce with words, intention, that's just like right to the point. But when you speak those words into that candle, it's the fire and the color that you're activating. You're layering correspondences. And I guess yeah. the correspondences, are they, like let's say that you grow up in a family and I don't know, some weird culture where the color purple was considered very um, evil and it was something that you would only put on like dead people and people that you hate. Does that affect it, or is purple just the frequency of that color? Is it universal? And that, this is a really cool thing about magic, right? It's like, well, yes, there are some standard energetic properties of purple um, as a hue. You know, like if you look at what the, the way light reflects up and how we perceive purple, you know, like there's all that stuff. But there's, if you really believe that purple is only for evil people um, and you have a strong will, then that will override kind of how purple exists as an objective thing. You know, it's got to be the intuition. It's got to be about the practitioner. And 
that blend with the standard definitions or the standard properties. It can't just be, you know, this thing I'm here and I'm going to use it for this even though I feel really different about it. Like when you're new to the craft, um, that it just, as you build up your confidence, because I think confidence that you can work magic is probably the only thing, you know, the thing that matters. Because if you're confident, you know, you'll choose correspondences that make sense to you. You'll be confident when it comes to writing your own spells. Because the thing, I get a lot of the people who take, like, my intro course or new people who are in the witch's realm, they want that. They want the right by the book. Cindy, tell me how to do this spell to get this new job. And I'm like, you got to go and buy yourself a big book of correspondences. Start writing it. Show me what you did, and then we'll talk. Because the strongest spells are always going to be the ones that we develop ourselves, because spells are an extension of who we are. So, you know, if you want to look at old grimoires, you know how some people love those grimoires and conjuring demons and all that stuff, and if it's in Latin, it must be 100% true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is all well and good, but if it doesn't speak to you, You know, we are the center of our own magic. So as long as, if if those grimoires speak to you and they are who you are at your core, then that's fantastic. But if it's not, don't be afraid to kind of go off book and do what makes sense to you. And it takes trial and error. You know, it's not, sometimes when you say to someone, okay, so we're going to do some candle magic. And what I need you to do is go and sit with that candle, that purple candle for an hour and contemplate purple. <laughs> you know, people can be like, I just want to feel more empowered. Like, but you will if you spend an hour contemplating the color purple. Meditation and trance work is so kind of popular right now, and so many different magical schools have everybody going on journeys and doing trance. But when you open up to a correspondence, you're getting into that altered state of consciousness as well. Because you're going beyond the mundane aspects of, uh, you know, of whatever it is you're working with. And I think it was particularly Aidan Walker um, who mentioned this about the ability that a witch needs to develop to say, well, this reality is real, but so can this completely different reality. Like the ability to hold multiple sorts of viewpoints at the same time. And even if you're just slightly out from mundane reality. Like, even just the contemplation or the consideration of this different reality is helpful. Like, and, you know, that's what worked for me because I, I wrote about it in Pathios Pagan, how about two years ago I was still a hardcore atheist and, and, you know, extreme material science person. And yet I kept doing magic because I got results. And the reason why I'm looking back and analyzing it and unpacking it now is that I was willing to suspend disbelief in being in a completely neutral place. And just mm-hmm. being neutral was enough to get shit rolling. You know, a lot of the spell work that I do and also teach in my courses is about getting yourself ready for those opportunities. You know, it's about growth mindset magic. It's not about just, I want a Ferrari, so I think Hecate should just deliver a Ferrari in my driveway. I, I just I don't think witchcraft works like that. And I think if you think it does, that you'll be super disappointed. So I noticed, like, when I was doing magic, one of the things that happened in my life was that things would come into my life, and I had the choice of either 
embracing it or choosing something else. Job opportunities came into my life, and this is after I was doing Jupiter Magic. Okay. So it's not like the money fell into my lap. It's not like, you know, I mean, there was like one or two occasions where money just appeared in my bank account. I had to work, but it was more like I, what the magic did was that it helped the hustle. Like it was sort of like, okay, I need to make more money. How's that going to happen? Oh, I didn't have to look for it and jobs just came to me. But I mean, I still had to work for it, but it's that the opportunities, like the doors were opened. And that's when I was just like, okay, this is what magic is. Magic is, I didn't have to spend, you know, like, weeks and months being frustrated looking for a job. I still had to work it to make the money, but at least the doors were open for me. And I think that's what magic does, right? And if you're ready, then you can go right through. And one more thing, you mentioned Jupiter. The other super cool thing about plants is, is that they're all ruled by the planets. So if you already do planetary magic... Um, when she, and if you were to get into plant magic, then you, for example, could work with plants who are ruled by Jupiter. What's an example of a plant that's ruled by Jupiter? I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. I knew you were going to say that. I was like, what's a Jupiter plant? I've been doing a lot of work with Pluto plants lately, so I'm going to talk about a Pluto plant sure. that I kind of have, that I'm kind of crushing on right now, okay? So, my Pluto plant, because it's Pluto time of the year for me, and I have so much Pluto energy in my chart, that I am, you know, like, I am of the dark. Like, I am, like, the dark, swampy creature. Oh, you're a Pluto um, babe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I love this time of the year, because I grow a few poisons, and I wild harvest different poison plants. So, I have um, my fox club, which is ruled by Pluto. So Pluto is a, sorry, foxglove is a plant of the underworld that you would do if you were trying to do an underworld working. So for me, working with Hecate and Medea, that's about going into the underworld for spiritual work or for healing. So foxglove is ruled by Pluto and foxglove has properties that are of the underworld, of deep work, shadow taming work. Mugwort is a way that you would temper that energy. So it's really cool when you were talking about correspondences earlier. I'm like, should I mention like how the planets and all of this are factored in with plants so you can learn what plants are ruled by what? Which I think that's kind of falling out of style too a little bit. But there are some older herbals that you can buy. Like the Master Book of Herbalism is a good, really accessible one that's been around, I think, for 40 or 50 years. But you can still buy it. It's still in print. If I had known about plants back when I was doing a lot of Jupiter magic, I could have done my Jupiter magic and let's say, I'm just going to make this up. Let's say that juniper was like a Jupiter plant. I I don't know. Um, And then I made some sort of, I don't know, tea or something out of it. So like, is, is that how you would incorporate that into your magic? Like you would make a tea and you'd drink it in your ceremony or you'd offer it to Jupiter? Or burn it or whatever. And, and you could also like, I don't know how you were doing planetary magic, but when I do planetary magic, you know, I draw down that planet's energy into my working, kind of like and add it to my spell. So if you had like juniper or hawthorn or something like that, that you wanted like a Jupiter plant, you would draw you know call upon jupiter to kind of activate that it would be one technique that you could use or offer it as you know so there's lots of different ways to incorporate planetary magic with plant magic and the system it goes back to like the doctrine of solomon and really ancient texts the way that the plants and the planets are um the way they correspond maybe it's because of chaos magic but a lot of people who do um, planetary magic it seems like they kind of 
don't focus a lot on the smells or the plants or anything like that because incense a lot of times are plants right you're burning the plants yeah. but actually the more that i'm learning about even that sort of traditional grimoire magic smells the incense is essential i think it was balthazar yeah. black who said um, if you don't have the right incense the magic isn't going to work as well and now i'm starting to make that connection from what you're saying oh it's because the spirit of the plant yeah the plant the spirit of the plant which is attuned to a a planet, when you burn it, that spirit is back to the idea of the sparkles. <laughs> you know, the sparkles are meeting, and the smoke and the energy of the planet come together, which makes your magic so much more powerful. And I it's think, about those layers of correspondences. I think this is huge, like, especially for a lot of the new witches who are watching this. Incense, it's not just about the smells, guys. I mean, it is, because anything that you enjoy smelling or that reminds you of something, that's magical. But it's also yeah. the actual spirits of the plants. That's why. That's a huge reason why incense is so essential to your magical working. So if your magic ritual is, like, not giving you the results that you want, and you're not using incense, you're using like incense that, I don't know, like you just bought from the dollar store and who knows what's in it, you may yeah. want to consider like looking more closely into burning the right plants. And what you're picking, you know, pick your incenses accordingly, carefully, and then when you burn them, think about what's actually happening is that that smoke, because we perceive the smell, but what's really happening is the smoke. Right, that's like we, you know, like the smoke is altering the molecular structure of the air in the environment. But it also works in the world of pure force, you know, like the, the kind of the opposite. Like, so it, the physical structure of air is altered, but so is the kind of etheric structure of the world of force that you've evoked into your space. So that's why incense can be so powerful because it actually is changing the very like this the structure of what you're working of the environment that you're doing you're working in like right now my mind is like literally being blown because now i'm starting to realize like even thinking from like a mundane material science point of view of course like the air that we breathe the molecular structure it is being changed i mean there's certain plants that you burn and it's like you inhale the fumes you're gonna get high or you inhale the fumes you're gonna get a headache in fact, it's like these, you know, like, why do we have smoke detectors? Why do we have carbon monoxide detectors? It's these airborne particles that we're breathing in that our skin, you know, the semi-permeable thing that we have. It's also like the smoke, the things in the air are also going through all our membranes. Of course, it makes perfect sense that burning plants, ingesting plants, whatever it is that you're doing with the plants, but especially burning, it's going to create like a really fast effect. But if someone was new, like one of your uh, viewers was new and wanted just to start with working with plants, even something like poppy seeds, which you can get like, you know, in bulk, um, are psychoactive. And if you have poppy seeds around and you can make a simple poppy seed oil, even like having that in an open dish will start to kind of release, you know, poppy seeds are sacred to Persephone. They're very underworld. Um... So that will start to, the oils even work through the air. Because one thing i found is that a lot of people who live in urban areas can't burn things in their, where they, in their residence these days. So diffusers, if you think about what a diffuser is doing, the exact same thing. But you can, you, you can make your own blends with whatever, you know, like poppy seeds and good quality olive oil. 
Um, you can let that soak for a few days and try it on your diffuser and experiment, you know, with the difference that it makes in your, your environment just having those molecules in the air. Flying ointments are really popular these days, and that's what the people who make flying ointments, that's what they're putting in these, like, little tiny bits of belladonna or little tiny bits of wolfsbane. Um, with wolfsbane is just aconite by a different name. So they have these really cool psychoactive properties, and but they're super challenging. So, you know, start with poppy seeds, start with salt, uh, and work your way up. In the uh, course I teach on uh, modern Hecatean witchcraft, I do three levels of plants in each lesson. So if people are completely new, they can make a, you can put eucalyptus oil um, with maybe some mint, something really simple, put it in their diffuser. Or if someone's kind of level three, super advanced, then they can do the more complicated things. One time I did, it was like Saturnian magic. And yep. I had to take like this really nasty smelling plant and burn it. But at that time, I didn't realize that there was spirits to the plants. I, I just thought it's bad smelling because Saturn, for whatever reason, just likes bad smells. I was only thinking about it from like an aesthetic, olfactory yeah. point of view. I wasn't thinking of the spirit, but... Now that I'm talking to you, now I'm just like, okay. So when I was putting the herbs, like I was covering my candle with that herb, I was literally putting the spirit with, you know, the black candle and stuff yeah. on it and then lighting it. So there's all these elements coming into it. And that's part of what made the spell potent. Exactly. And a lot of the most potent um, herbs don't smell good. Yeah. It's like Chinese medicine. All the stuff that's right? really good for your health, it tastes like shit. So it's really cool when you start thinking about different systems in the world and how similar they really are to what we call witchcraft, I guess, in the West. But TCM is super witchy when it's done by, like like you said, that person in the back shop and there's like a cage with some live chickens. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know how these things work scientifically, right? They work... You know, as above, so below. Like, the way things work scientifically or physically, they tend to work the same way in the spirit world, too, at least when it comes to plants. Can you explain that more? Smoke changes the molecules in the air. So smoke changing the molecules in the air, it's the same way when you imbibe something. So if you're imbibing it purely with your physical being, like you said, super mundane, um, it will work in your physical being. But if you open that gateway... It will also work in your energetic being, you know, whatever you call that, your purely energetic body. It'll work the same way, right down, you know, at the molecular level as well. So, guys, tell us what you think. Um, have you considered using plant magic? Did you even know that you're working with the spirits of the plants? Because I didn't know. And uh, how are you, now that you know this, how are you going to start incorporating plants and animals into your magic? So, Cindy, thank you so much for joining me. This has been such an awesome talk. Well, thank you. It's been so much fun. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Witches & Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. 
Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan signing off. <laughs>